Good morning. Welcome to Bethlehem Lutheran Church, where God has called and gathered us here this day to receive his gifts through his word. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday in Lent is from Genesis chapter 32. The same night, he arose and took his two wives, his two female servants, and his eleven children, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. He took them and sent them across the stream and everything else that he had. And Jacob was left alone. And a man wrestled with him until the breaking of the day. When the man saw that he did not prevail against Jacob, he touched his hip socket, and Jacob's hip was put out of joint as he wrestled with him. Then he said, Let me go, for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And he said to him, What is your name? And he said, Jacob. Then he said, Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, but Israel, for you have striven with God and with men and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked him, Please, tell me your name. But he said, Why is it that you ask my name? And there he blessed him. So Jacob called the name of the place Peniel, saying, For I have seen God face to face, and yet my life has been delivered. The sun rose upon him as he passed Penuel, limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the people of Israel do not eat the sinew of the thigh that is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip on the sinew of the thigh. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 5. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. More than that, we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 15th chapter. Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace 
mercy and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Our gospel reading for this morning is one of those ones that has a tendency to make us feel a little bit uncomfortable. There's two statements here that Jesus makes that seem almost out of character for him, that seem like they are just being more dismissive and almost even insulting than what we usually see Jesus do when he's approached by someone. And part of the reason that this strikes us so much is because this is just flying in the face of our culture right now. Our culture that likes to think that we're so inclusive. Whereas in Jesus' time, this Canaanite woman would have been almost outcast for even thinking to come up to Jesus and start talking to him. Not outcast by Jesus and his people, although the Jews were not particularly fond of Canaanites, but actually by the Canaanites that this woman would think to go and talk to a Hebrew rabbi about these things. And not only that, but that she actually thinks that it's important enough to go and talk to him about. Because, of course, in those times, women, and especially daughters, were not viewed as being as important. And so this woman likely would have not been able to find anyone else to talk to about her daughter. The fact that it's the woman doing it and not the father quite likely means that the father wasn't involved. Which means that this woman would have already been an outcast. And so, even with that in mind, though, with the cultural differences of those times, this still seems a bit odd to us. And perhaps part of that is because, like I said, right now we struggle with the idea that we need to be so inclusive that everyone is welcome to everything even to the Lord's Supper, the most intimate moment of fellowship that we have. And so, as we look at our text for today, I invite you to think about what Jesus is doing, to think about what his disciples are doing, and to think about what this Canaanite woman is doing, not only as far as this time period goes, but also now, as far as who is in, and who is out? And perhaps, most importantly, how do you get in? Listen, therefore, as our reading begins and as you hear of the Canaanite woman. And Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. In order to understand a little bit about what's going on with this woman, we need to understand who the Canaanites were. The Canaanites were the people who lived in the land of Canaan, which you may remember 
is the promised land, the land that was promised to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. When Jesus, or sorry, when Joshua, which is actually the same name as Jesus, interesting side note, when Joshua came into Canaan, he was supposed to drive the Canaanites out before him. He was supposed to invade their land and essentially kick them out. Those are the Canaanites. And so, as you can understand, they did not get along very well with the Jews. Joshua ended up not doing what he was supposed to do, and he only drove them out so far. And so what ended up happening is that the Canaanites stayed in this region all the way until now. And they were a constant thorn in the side of Israel, both in terms of as nations, the Philistines would have been one of the nations of Canaanites, for those of us who are in Bible study today. And so they would have been constantly there, constantly trying to poke and prod and invade, but perhaps more importantly even, they were constantly intermarrying, constantly spreading their gods into the land of Israel rather than the true God. And so there is no love lost between the Canaanites and the Israelites. And yet, this Canaanite woman decided to approach Jesus, a Jewish Israelite rabbi. Again, this is remarkably bold or remarkably desperate. Probably both. And her plea is important. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord. Another way that we could translate this is Kyrie eleison. This is actually the same plea for mercy that we make for sure whenever we have Communion, and oftentimes in our other services as well. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. And yet, she goes even farther than that, because she uses a title that she probably shouldn't know. She says, O Lord, Son of David. In case you hadn't figured it out yet, this is not your normal Canaanite woman. The fact that she even knows this title is impressive. As you may have remembered from, I believe, two weeks ago, when the blind man called out, Son of David, have mercy on me. Again, using that phrase. That was a messianic title. It was a title for the Jewish Messiah. And yet this Canaanite woman knows it, which shows you that she knows much more about the Israelite religion than most Canaanites would know. And then we see her request. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. Again, as I mentioned before, most of the people during that time period would not have thought this was an important enough thing to even go and talk to someone about. And yet, this woman seems to know that Jesus is different. Seems to recognize that to Jesus, everyone is important. And yet, 
despite us knowing that, and despite her apparently knowing that, that is not Jesus' first response to this. And so, listen as our reading continues, and hear about what the disciples do. But he, that is Jesus, did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and begged him, saying, Send her away, for she is crying out after us. He answered, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Jesus didn't answer her a word. There are very few times in the Bible where Jesus doesn't respond to someone. In fact, the only one that I can think of offhand is actually at the crucifixion, aside from this, of course, where he doesn't respond. It eventually gets to the point she is so persistent in bringing her need to him that eventually his disciples step in. And as you know, we oftentimes give the disciples a little bit of a hard time. They have a tendency to sort of come across almost as like just these bumbling guys who every once in a while ask a good question, but who most of the time mess everything up. And in many ways, that's actually what's going on here, except that instead of accidentally messing everything up, they accidentally do the right thing. What happens here is that his disciples get to the point where they're so annoyed with this woman coming and talking to them that they basically go to Jesus and say, send her away, which is to say, do what she wants, for she is crying out after us. And here, the disciples do what they should have done all along and probably what Jesus was waiting for them to do, and that they bring her need before him. It is the duty of the Christian to pray for others. And here, the disciples are effectively, whether they know it or not, praying for this woman by bringing her need before Jesus. And so you would think that if that's what Jesus really wants and that it's a good thing to do, that Jesus would instantly respond and would do so. But he doesn't. Instead, he says something that, again, makes us inclusive Americans a bit concerned. He says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. What's hard for us to realize, and this is true even still today, is that some people are in and some people are out. In Old Testament times, this was very easy to be able to tell for the most part because the people who were in were the people of God, that is to say the Israelites, and the people who were out was basically everyone else. And so Jesus is here saying that she is a Canaanite, that he did not come for the sake of offering his gifts to the Canaanites. He came for the sake of offering his gifts to the Israelites. In the same way, here and now, there are people who are in and there are people who are out. 
This is one of the reasons that we have close communion. Because we recognize that those who have faith need to have something for themselves. That God, when he offers us his body and blood in that bread and wine, that that gift was given to his people. That is, the church. The Lord's Supper is the most intimate and the most important builder of fellowship that we have. And, you know, we get a little bit angsty about the whole in and out language, but honestly, this only makes sense. You wouldn't just invite some random person off the street to come and sleep in the same building that your children are sleeping. You don't just invite the random person walking by to come into your meeting where you're going to be making a decision about what you're going to be doing for the next ten years. There are levels of in and out. And for us, communion is as in as you get. And that's not even talking about the verses where Paul talks about how it's dangerous for people to take the Lord's Supper if they don't understand what's going on there. And that makes us a little bit uncomfortable. And yet, it is what we need. But of course, this story isn't quite done yet, and as we continue with our reading and as we conclude our reading, we will come to realize that this woman is not as out as perhaps we thought she was to begin with. Listen, therefore, as our reading concludes. But she came and knelt before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered, It is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. She said, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. The way that this reads is very interesting because you can almost picture as you're reading this story that the woman, seeing that Jesus has responded somewhat negatively to the disciples, basically just inserts herself into the conversation. But she does it in such a humble and yet bold way. She comes before Jesus and kneels before him and simply says, Lord, help me. It is at this point that Jesus finally, for the first time, responds to her directly. And here we get probably the statement that we are most uncomfortable with Jesus making, where he says, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. It's not right. It isn't proper. And We struggle here a little bit because it's almost like, did Jesus just call her a dog? And of course, we need to recognize that this is just a metaphor that he's making, right? He's not being purposely insulting here necessarily, although you never know, maybe he is. But her response to this is simply amazing. Jesus says that it's not right 
to take the children's bread and to throw it to the dogs, to take the word of God, the gifts that God offers, and to just give it out to everyone willy-nilly. And yet the woman responds with, Yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Have you ever seen such humble faith? Jesus yet again tells a Gentile that great is your faith. She is faithful. She is persistent. She is willing to take whatever God is willing to give her. Even just the barest crumbs off the table. She is willing to accept it. And here we see the faith of this woman. She proves her faith. This conversation with Jesus is almost in a very similar way a confirmation examination. Going through and allowing her to prove her faith because of course Jesus already knew it was there. And prove her faith she does. She doesn't know how Jesus is going to respond. She simply kneels at his feet and is willing to accept whatever Jesus gives her, even if it's just an insult. She's willing to take it because she believes in him for the sake of her daughter. Jesus sees this faith. He recognizes this faith, and he responds by giving her what she needed. Her daughter was healed instantly. At that very moment. When was the last time that you proved your faith? When was the last time that you humbly presented yourself to God and simply accepted whatever it was that he was going to give you? When was the last time that you were willing to be bold, willing to insert yourself into a conversation When was the last time that you were willing to walk out into the world and to speak of the love that Jesus has for the world? Because, of course, as much as we recognize that this moment, this altar, the Lord's Supper, is an intimate moment between the people of God, we also recognize that we do want everyone to be a part of that moment that we do want all people to have the same faith that we have, so that when we all come together with the same faith and confess our faith together, that we have as many people there as possible. When was the last time you talked to somebody about wanting them to be here, to receive the gifts that you are able to partake of? Jesus is there, waiting, ready to answer to your faith. You are free to exercise your faith, just as Christ continually offers these gifts for you. Free to come and receive the gifts through which Christ will continue to strengthen you, and free to go out and share those gifts, that others may come and be a part of this fellowship of believers. 
May God continue to use these gifts to strengthen us to use our faith in such a way. Now may the peace which passes all understanding guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.